This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support. Hey, welcome to another episode of Cyber 24. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter. In this week's episode, we actually sit down one-on-one with Mike Hussey, who is the Executive Director of the Utah Department of Technology Services. Mike's a regular, somewhat frequent guest on our show, but we wanted to sit down with him and speak one-on-one about some of these ransomware issues that are popping up around the country, specifically as we've talked over the past couple of weeks about how they are attacking what other panelists like Matt Sorensen from Secuvant have called soft targets, state agencies in some states, uh, counties and cities where maybe they're not putting enough uh, of their resources into protecting themselves. And because of that, they become targets for those who are out perpetrating ransomware attacks. Mike's got a really interesting perspective on this because he's the head of the entire state operation when it comes to protecting state data, but also does a lot of outreach with other states, um, learning from things that are happening in their states, and uh, you know, working with cities and counties across Utah, some of them very small towns, some of them rural, some of those counties very rural, and helping them understand the threat and uh, working with them. We also talk a little bit about the nature of you know, a state that uh, doesn't necessarily like Uh, big government. And so that that works just like states don't always like the big government or the federal government. Sometimes counties and cities don't like big brother at the state telling them what to do. And so how does he work that relationship? What's been his approach? And where have they had success in helping uh, counties and cities? Really interesting conversation takes up the entirety of our episode this week. Uh, So here we go. Mike Hussey. All right, Mike, thanks for taking some time. Thanks for having me, Marty. I love being with you. Friend of the pod, and uh, very rare do we do curbside service, but we're in your (laughs) office today overlooking the beautiful Capitol as opposed to you coming to us in the studio. So we appreciate you squeezing us. Absolutely. It's a beautiful view from up here, too. It is. You can't beat it. I still say it's the best view in all of state government, but uh, we also know you're moving buildings. (laughs) (laughs) The clock's ticking on that. It is. It's almost Um, gone. I want to jump right in on on these uh, topics related to cybersecurity and, and ransomware attacks that we've seen prevalent. Um, you know, popping up more and more across the country, and especially starting to hit what some of our experts have called soft targets, um, cities, municipalities, um, counties, smaller governments that maybe don't have 
uh, as large of budgets to focus on cybersecurity, or at least have not prioritized that uh, to this point. Uh, when you see a ransomware attack that hits like 22 state agencies in Texas, um, what what do you learn from these incidents that happen in other states? It's, it's uh, there are, there's uh, people always say there's the uh, easy way to learn things and the hard way to learn things. And I guess if Texas is learning something the hard way, what are you learning the easy way because of that? Well, certainly we we uh, share ideas and and con- you know, we we are in constant contact with uh, these entities that get hit with ransomware. It's like, hey, what did what did you guys miss so that we can learn from that mistake? And and it is unfortunate that somebody has this kind of an issue come up, but we we do try and learn from that. And then we say, hey, are we do we have similar exposures? And then we start to evaluate systems and say, hey, did we plug those holes? Did we uh, do we uh, monitor the systems appropriately? Did we do all these things that they may have missed? Um, and certainly, then we it's all hands on deck to want to make sure that, hey, the, the bad guys know that the soft targets may be out there. Um, let's make sure that we've gone through and, and double-checked and triple-checked systems. Uh, we get our internal auditors involved and, and verifying what um, hosting people say, what networking people say. Hey, are, are we really in a protected place? Because, uh, of course, cybersecurity is, is our number one issue here the state and our number one priority at, at DTS so we want to make sure that things are protected and and yeah we we talk um, I, I actually reached out to the Texas CIO and he said he couldn't tell me certain things but he gave me some insights into what happened and he said he's on a gag order on the rest of the things right now but um, but certainly we talk we f- figure out um, are we are we secure in those areas that they may have left the front door open correct to presume that it's not just when something goes wrong in another state that you're in communication with other, many other states about things that uh, that you're trying to do right, not just waiting for somebody to get hit with, yeah. with an incident. Actually, one of my, my favorite events that I attend every year is a meeting of all state CIOs with their CISO or their CISO. So it's a coming together. Um, we call it CIO Confidential. It's just the CIOs, the state CIOs, and the state CISOs coming together to talk about these very things. And, hey, what are the issues that, um, that are coming up that each state is seeing and how can we raise all the boats in the harbor rather than each state trying to do it on their own. Um, does the state of Utah then get pulled in? I mean, you kind of talk about how you, you at least get a call from the CISO in Texas. Do, do you get pulled in as an expert or does the state kind of um, get, uh, you know, you think when there are wildfires in Colorado, sometimes firefighters from Utah go over to help put out the fire. Does the same thing happen on the tech side? Uh, we haven't uh, offered services, nor have they requested any of our services. Um, I think they've got the services in the state of Texas certainly to respond to that, but we do uh, we do communicate quite a bit to figure out how, how did, what did they learn and what can we learn yeah. as well. U- Utah is not unique in the sense that all states have smaller towns and small counties and rural areas. Just about every state you can think of would have uh, a situation like that. And, and those, those organizations, those smaller governments don't always uh, have the resources to put toward uh, cybersecurity, even though they all, you know, they're, they're small in population, but the way they interact with their citizens still has to be fairly high tech. They still have data they have to protect. They still use credit cards and such to process payments on power bills and so on. Yeah. Um, but but they so they still have these significant vulnerabilities. Um, what is the right way to help cities with smaller budgets but significant vulnerabilities adequately protect their data and their citizens? You know, it, you're right. You're spot on. Uh, actually, it's it's a 
tough reach for even those with larger budgets like the state to feel like, hey, we're actually at a level that we need to be. And then consider the, the some of those counties or cities that don't have those resources to, to apply to cybersecurity or developing a, a cyber awareness program with their employees or, or all these uh, vulnerabilities that exist uh, in the market. How do you make sure that you are, are uh, compensating for those? And so it does have to be a lot of resource sharing. I mean, we talked in an earlier episode episode how the state of Utah partners with the feds to, to help with some of our programs. And I think there's opportunities for the states, the cities, the counties to partner together. And as a matter of fact, we've had some cities reach out to us and say, hey, we'd like a person to come up and, and sit in your cyber center, just kind of learn the, the skills of the trade here. And how do we make, uh, make them more valuable, even with what the, the skill set that they have on their own? Utah is a very red state. Yes. Um, we're big on local government and sort of decentralizing things. And that's always a balance that has to be maintained between state government, county government, city government. We're seeing that in issues like, you know, the inland port where there's sort of this tug and pull between yeah. uh, the city of Salt Lake and, uh, and the state government. Um, I imagine that those same uh, ethos carry over <laughs> into things like how do we adequately protect people's data. Um, so what, what role do you think the state should play in preparing cities and counties for ransomware and other attacks? And, and what's that partnership like? Is it a delicate balance? It, it, is, a, it is a delicate balance. I mean, luckily, technology is, does not have these, these sort of political spectrums to it. But the hierarchy does, and so you want to make sure that you um, you walk that fine line and say, "Hey, we're we're offering, we're not forcing uh, this assistance, and if you'd like to partner, we, we're we're happy to do that." Um, more of the carrot approach than the stick approach. But I think when they when the entities get together and they look at the value of coming together, it makes complete sense. Uh, there is um, there have been some initiatives with our state auditor who's um, trying to get more of this cooperation between the state, the counties, and the cities. Um, not to force anything on them, but just to certainly offer assistance. And uh, and it's been a great relationship. Uh, we had a couple of uh, entities in the state, a couple of counties that had some ransomware issues. Uh, the state was able to, to offer some assistance. Um, certainly the resources are, are, are low in some of these other areas. And so when the state can come in, not to bully its way in, but just to offer assistance, that's where I think uh, the partnerships can uh, develop long term. And so having those folks that come up to our cyber centers say, hey, what can we do at the local level that where we partner with the state and, and we have some sensors that we can share and, and uh, share information and things that we learn further upstream from uh, the Department of Homeland Security, that same uh, information can be applied to some of these locals as well. And, and again, just by sharing it all the way from the feds to the state to the locals, I think it really does add a lot of value. And it's not that heavy of a lift to do that. That deals with uh, how, how able everyone is to sort of share those resources. I, it leads me to the question, uh, do smaller cities and towns, do they, do they have a good understanding generally? I mean, I'm sort of asking to paint with a broad mm. brush, but do they, do they have a... a significant appreciation for the type of threats that they face because clearly the federal government does and clearly the state does yes uh, and there's sort of a, a trickle-down effect to this so has it trickled down to um, you know a town of 5,000 people that's somewhere in rural Utah or 2,000 people somewhere in rural Utah do, do you find that they get 
that they have the right appreciation for what they face? Yeah, I think so. I think they're starting to see uh, the media where they're seeing these uh, these smaller communities get hit with these ransomware attacks or other vulnerabilities where they're, they're exposing their data. Um, not to say that the state is perfect, but I think there is there's so much in the media right now talking about this that I think that, yeah, the, the, the cities are starting to see that this should be one of their priorities and how to, to plug those holes and how to partner with, with other entities like the state might be uh, something they look at. But I, I, certainly it's a reality um, and how to change the cyber posture. Even um, are there's some security assessments that we can offer, at least connect some dots with those cities and counties that say, hey, uh, if you'd like, here's here's a, a template that we use. You can apply this in your own uh, environment and see, w see what things look like. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity ahead. I think they're starting to get the picture. Uh, be again, just because if you watch uh, the media, you'll you'll start to see the severity of this. Quick break, back with more with Mike Hussey from the Utah Department of Technology Services right after this. Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers, and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years, and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash phish. Allowing your employees to bring in their own devices is like allowing them to bring in a security time bomb to your workplace. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement? Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It allows you to allocate access to devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. All right, welcome back. Continuing our conversation with Mike Hussey, the Executive Director of the Utah Department of Technology Services. We talk about all these uh, cybersecurity incidents popping up uh, in other states, and certainly you mentioned that there have been some uh, ransomware incidents uh, across our state as well. Um, can you or, or do you use these attacks to further encourage state employees to have a proper security posture? <laughs> and does that trickle down then into the municipalities and counties? Are they trying to teach? the same thing as well. Yeah, we, we certainly do. I mean, we have an, our annual security awareness training, and that security awareness training is based on what we see going on in the in the market there and with the with the bad guys, what the bad guys are, are exploiting, what they're trying to do to our employees. Um, we even run our own phishing campaigns on our own, own employees to raise awareness. Um, and those are usually based on what we see in the industry or what we learned from a, a ransomware attack, how the, how the payload actually got dropped onto that computer. We'll 
we'll use those same kinds of techniques to fish our own employees to make sure that the awareness is raised in those exact areas. Uh, and we, we're happy to share them, those things that we see with the others, uh, the locals, but we, we don't always get that traction there. Um, we have a couple that we work with, and we're probably working more closely with a, a few, um, and we probably should extend that reach, but um, it just takes a little time as as people start to see the reality have there. you actually seen an improvement then when you're uh, when you're doing these training absolutely uh you know we before when we used to fish our employees you you'd be surprised at the take rate and and now we're actually trying to get our employees to take a, an actual survey that we want them to take they think it's a clickbait <laughs> and they're thinking oh is this the right thing i should be clicking on or not and uh is it a is it the bad guys or is it really a, an hr survey that i should be taking yeah. i can tell you just hosting this podcast podcast now for you know 50 I think this is episode 52 it's made me nervous enough that <laughs> I'll get emails from someone and it's a weird like calendar invite yeah and I know that it's probably legit but I still I, I've just gotten into the habit I'll pick up the phone call and say hey before I click on your weird doodle link here um, is this legit and yeah. they're always like oh yeah, yeah. I guess it's a good thing you checked on it, that. Like, well, yeah, I would think so. It, 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 if it's out of the ordinary, I would probably check. I mean, yeah. that's very safe uh, cyber hygiene that you've, uh, you've finally got to, Marty. Yeah. So I'm proud of your podcast. <laughs> All you need to do is have every state employee host of cybersecurity <laughs> okay, podcast we can do for that. 50 weeks, <laughs> okay. and then you're fine. I don't know what that does to state productivity. <laughs> it might go uh, down a tad. Well. So if you're doing this type of training at the state level and you're seeing a significant improvement in cybersecurity posture. Mm -hmm. um, do you see the same thing implemented with counties and cities as well? Do you do they believe you when you say, hey, when you do this, uh, a fairly low cost thing. This isn't like adding, uh, you know, some new whiz bang software to protect from things, though those are elements that are important to this whole effort. Mm -hmm. um, but when you sort of go out and, and evangelize on that and say, look, we just we tell them what to do, we test them on it, when they mess up on it, we show them in a no harm, no foul situation. Does that, does that settle with, with cities and counties? Do you see them saying, okay, yeah, that's something that's relatively low cost and low pain to implement, and, and are they doing it? Well, and that's uh, that's the thing. The, the cities and the counties, they're, they're certainly autonomous, and sure. so we, we share ideas and, and where they go from yeah. there. You're, when you're offering them a carrot, though, are they accepting your carrot? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and, and actually there is. I mean, there are some that, that hey, you know, I'd love to partner and, and learn how you guys did this or how you did that, or actually we learn, it goes both ways, to be honest. We'll learn a few ideas from them and say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's try that same thing with our employees. And so I think the reality is starting to set in though that this partnership needs to exist and uh, that's that's really the bottom line that we're trying to get to is how do we partner better with the cities the counties um, and how do we share ideas uh, better and and certainly our cyber center has been an avenue for that um, we're having a tabletop exercise today with the feds downstairs as we as we conduct this podcast that is going on downstairs and we have many counties joining that that uh, tabletop exercise and these are the kinds of things that are discussed and I think people start to see oh yeah let's let's figure out how to do a little more together ransomware has sort of been in the headlines a lot lately because it, there was sort of this coordinated attack in texas that caught 22 state agencies i know there have been some other incidents yeah. around um is that is that sort of threat one or is that uh, like shark attacks at certain points in the summer and it's on our minds because the media makes a big deal about it so is it is it taking an inordinate amount of the headlines 
Is it really the biggest threat? How does it fit into the, like, uh, the know, overall threat landscape? The, the bad guys, they, they move to different uh, plays or n new uh, tactics, and certainly this is monetizing um, their, their efforts. And so before they might have been able to just deface a website and they pound their chest a little bit and say, oh, look what I did. Um, now where they're actually making money and it's very little effort for them to, to send an email and trick an employee into coughing up their credentials or clicking on something they shouldn't have. Um, that's pretty easy to do. And now that um, the practice was that the states and locals would just not pay a ransom because these folks know, hey, these guys got deep pockets. Let's go after them. They're soft targets, kind of like some of the things you were saying. Uh, it's not. It's not that way, though. Where we we need to um, shore up those defenses. Um, it is the ransomware is is top of mind, but there are many other things we're dealing with as well. So it, we are spread across many uh, targets that we see. Um, we're we're sharing intelligence across all the states, the feds. And this is one thing, and it's probably um, probably very interesting right now for the bad guys. And so we 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 have a lot of eyes watching those kinds of tactics right now. But there we we haven't lowered our, our eyes from any other the other problems out there. And they're smart. The bad guys used to keep saying they sort of evolve. They are smart in that when they come and hit you hit we, any entity, whether it's a business or a government entity, with ransomware, they. they the, it's interesting to me to watch the free market work here, even in a yeah. black market free market, <laughs> um, because they tend to find the right number, right? Like here's here's what will demand where it's enough that you're either your cyber insurance kicks in and they'll pay it easily. Yes, uh, because it's you, you would think that there's sort of low effort on their part. If you just if you can trick somebody and you get in and you can lock them out of their files. Uh, but it's probably not a whole lot of work to collect the money, so that's this makes them a really formidable. It, it does. Oh. I mean, they they might know that they've landed on a person's home computer, and mm. the person, yeah, hey, I, you've locked up my my personal family photos, yeah. and but you might they might say, hey, your ransom is two hundred and fifty bucks, and yet they come to a state or a city and they say, hey, we've locked up your data. Uh, these two cities in yeah. Florida, a million bucks. Yeah. And so it's the same tactic, the same effort, yeah. a lot different uh, scope on the ransom. So it's uh, you start to see they know exactly what they're doing. And actually, you're, we're starting to see them. They know what day of the week. They know what time of day. They they know these kinds of things, how they how they finagle their way into the, the systems. It's really funny. Well, we've talked on this podcast. Interesting. I thought it was quite interesting that there there gets to be a whole psychology of like when can you – get somebody you know, like what time of day um, what day of the week are they more susceptible to this mm -hmm. um, there was an article that we talked about just a few weeks ago that said essentially if you are kind of the grumpy person in the office that there's a study that shows you are less likely to be the one to give up your password so mm -hmm. like that curmudgeon guy who's in every office <laughs> is most likely good. to be like who's this I'm not answering good this for him. Right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe beyond a security <laughs> posture there's yeah. a whole grumpiness to it yep. but uh uh, so just interesting stuff. Where do you think, we? just to wrap up here, Mike, where do you think um, we are two, three, five years from now? Is ransomware still something we're struggling with? Or, or slowly over time, are people just going to get better at having the right security posture? And, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the techniques that you use to secure data, the, the encryptions, those kinds of things, will the bad guys figure out ways to get around that? I mean, quantum computers are starting to make their way in, and all of a sudden that changed the cryptography uh, techniques that you might use across the state. Um, yeah, so those things are gonna, going to change. And so will the bad guys now have more 
better tools yeah. to come at the state, or do you have better defenses? Yeah. I mean, and the answer to that is probably yes. Absolutely, so yeah, absolutely. Better offense from the bad guys, better defense from the good guys. Absolutely, but it, it's just you're going to see this landscape continually evolving. And we've talked on this podcast about even um, things you didn't consider that might be a technique that they they say, oh, that's that's an interesting technique. Yeah, we'll start blocking it, but it's this spy versus spy kind of mentality. It's it's always upping each other's game, and so. They are very bright people, as you mentioned. They're bright, bright people. They're brilliant people out there, and they've got some very interesting skills. Um, we likely uh, have to match that. So yeah. it's interesting. We have interesting. some bright people who are on the good guys' side. Yeah, well. Luckily, we and, do. And we appreciate all your efforts to keep the uh, data for the state of Utah safe and secure. All right. Thank you, Mark. Best of luck to you, Mike. Thanks, Thanks. so much. All right, that's it for this episode. Final thanks to our presenting partners at Valcom for all of their support. I'd also like to thank our supporting partners who contribute to this program throughout the season. The Utah Department of Public Safety, the University of Utah's Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, our friends at Secuvant, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. Until next episode, I'm Marty Carpenter.